Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Mark 6, verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve, began to send them forth by two and two, gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing. Everybody say nothing. For their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats and he said unto them in what place soever ye enter into a house and there abide till ye depart from that place and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when ye depart thence shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day a judgment than for that city and they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Verse 30, the Bible says this. Then later, after John the Baptist and his execution, the Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. We run right back to verse number 8. Bible says he commanded them to take to take nothing command them to take nothing for their journey Mark 6 and 8 out of the message Bible which is one in which I'm reading through this year says it like this this is where I get the title of tonight's message it says don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this you are the equipment And I would like my text to be those last four words. You are the equipment. You are the equipment. Let's ask God to help us in the next few moments. Father, I come to you tonight. Asking, oh God, that you would touch my mind. Help me, Lord, to be sensitive. God, to the will of your spirit, God. I need, Lord, to be sensitive to your spirit. Convey this in such a way, Lord, it can be understood. God, and where it can, Lord, make an impact upon each of our lives. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, let the breath of heaven come down and blow, Lord Jesus, upon us. God, give understanding. Everybody that's in this room tonight, God, Lord, go away with an understanding, Lord Jesus, of your word. Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Shake someone's hand before you're seated tonight. Look at your neighbor and tell them you are the equipment, the equipment. Here just to kind of settle in a little bit of a mode of preaching here this evening, I'm going to have here in just a moment a couple of slides, a couple of pictures to show you. Uh, does anybody understand the terms or ever seen pictures or illustrations of this particular phrase it could be in cooking or people have taken pictures or so on and so forth and they called it nailed it 
You know what I'm talking about whenever I say that? People that, these things that, it's basically things that people have made or created, whether it be uh, something that they have cooked, they have shared then how to cook it, the ingredients for cooking, the materials for cooking it. Somebody else said, man, that really looks good. I think I'm going to do that. They do it having the same ingredients, the same instructions. But whenever they get done, what they have is totally diametric to what the other person had. You understand what I'm talking about? And so it's possible with the, these things I'm about ready to show you tonight. It's quite possible that the individuals that did these, the two that's represented in each slide, quite possibly then had the very same ingredients, the very same equipment, and quite possibly the very same instructions. But again, the look and the outcome is quite different. Can you just, be, just touch one up there, will you, tonight, Sister McGee, my first one, if you can? Yeah. See, up top is the... The beautiful picture of what someone done a hedgehog cake and on the bottom is someone trying to replicate with ingredients instructions what was done on top nailed it can you give me the next one making like a little mouse face out of pancakes at the top and at the bottom nailed it Look how beautiful those ducks are. Fluffy and puffy cupcakes up at the top. Somebody said, that's great. They probably was going to do that for the kid for the birthday. And there on the bottom, the ugly ducklings. <laughs> Nailed it. At the top, cookie monster cupcakes. I mean, what can go wrong with cookie cake, cu cookie cake, cookie cupcake? But on the bottom, nailed it. Now, this, this was quite impressive. You might not be able to tell, but that bear is made out of rice. That is compressed rice, and they made that little bear. And that's, that's an egg. That's, that's, of course, a scrambled egg that's almost like the outside of an omelet that's just over it like a blanket. Isn't that adorable? And over here we have Area 52 or whatever, 51. We got an alien underneath it. Nailed it. Betty Crocker train cake. How many has ever seen something in the magazine and thought, man, that is great. I'm going to try that. And there at the bottom, train derail, train wreck, nailed it. I hope this is no one's pictures out here. I just thought about that. <laughs> Beautiful little lamb. <laughs> and the, the one Bob's got the mange. Nailed it. I mean, we're talking about possible same ingredients, same instructions for these individuals. Go, go to the, this is my last one. Some type of pie. It's like blueberries or black. Some type of pie up there. And they were very fanciful with taking that extra crust and making an octopus or something on top of that. And then the bottom. Nailed it. Yeah, job of the hut. Nailed it. Possibly all the, I mean, having the same ingredients. Whatever was required, you know, mixing bows, blender, whatever it may have been, instructions. But there's quite a big difference. The saying, the saying used to be is that a person is only as good as their tools or their equipment. But tonight, I believe the inverse, the inverse of that is just as true, if not even more so. And that is the equipment is only as good as the person. Because, see, the first statement as saying that a person is only good as their tools, that first statement has lent a generation to making excuses for why they could not do certain stuff. That they, they could have done it if they had better equipment. 
removes the responsibility off of their shoulders and allows them to blame something outside of themselves for something perhaps not being what it ought to be or not to the par that it should be. And no doubt, right equipment is very beneficial. Right equipment may make some jobs more manageable. The right equipment may make some jobs more efficient. But I believe this statement is true to a certain degree that a lack of that equipment doesn't necessarily make those same jobs impossible. Someone say amen. A few years ago during, I think it was an autumn season, and I, I had touched base with Brother Fred on this and Bishop on this this past week, but a few years ago, I think it was in the autumn season, I think it was somewhere around October, I remember getting here to the church early on one Sunday morning. I believe it was a little earlier than I normally would have gotten here. I think I was one of those betwixt and betweens, Brother Zach, of where I was going on that Sunday morning. And so I was coming over here a little earlier to the church, and I pulled in the parking lot over here by the telephone pole and I thought it looked a little peculiar the parking lot did and whenever I got out of my vehicle my foot landed in water and I just soon found out that most of the parking lot over on that side coming from the church was just water water was just going across the ground to come to find out that we had a a, a pipe a water line that was broken underneath the ground over here where we usually have our our weenie roast and stuff and there was a water pipe that was broken and the, the, the whole ground out there was saturated with water and evidently it happened through the night to be able to do what it did and it was at this particular time and we canceled Sunday morning service we actually even had to cancel Sunday night service as a result of this and at this particular time we did not have the advantage of a backhoe in order to dig where the break was we didn't have a backhoe we didn't have that equipment but what we did have on that Sunday was several men with shovels and, and picks and every sort of digging instrument and uh, would, they would take turns digging and there's a couple guys dig at the same time we'd take turns we could only get so big of a hole you know and so we were digging and, until we finally reached the problem and fixed the problem and so I began to ponder on this and I asked myself the question you know did it take longer uh, did it take longer uh, than what it would have taken if we had a backhoe certainly it did certainly it did would it have been less tiring? <laughs> Would it have been less tiring and more manageable with a backhoe? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we had to cancel night service over this. Absolutely it did. Did not having a backhoe prevent us from fixing it? Not at all. Now, a backhoe, no doubt, would have certainly taken less time. It had certainly taken less energy. It would have certainly had made the situation a little bit more manageable. Amen. It could have changed the situation a little bit from being hard and difficult to being a little bit more easy. But its absence, not having a backhoe, its absence did not make our job impossible because we had a dedicated set of guys that were willing to work hard enough, stay long enough, Until we got the job done. In that day, we enjoyed each other's fellowship. We laughed. We joked around. I think we had leftover chili from the chili supper that we had had over here in the kitchen. And in essence, on that Sunday, without a backhoe, the men were the equipment. Someone say amen. The men were the equipment. But let's go a step further. Let's say, let's say we did secure a backhoe. And that one was available. That would have been a great piece of an equipment to have. 
have been a very advantageous piece of equipment would, to be able to have. But it really wouldn't have served us much had we not had a Josh Johnson or someone that knew how to operate. Heavy equipment. So then the equipment would have been only as good as the people. Someone say amen. Only as good as the people. And so my message to us tonight, that in light of what we have or what we don't have, what we believe we need or what we don't say we need. I've come to arise on this Sunday morning that or Sunday night in your own personal life and in the life of the church. We can survey and say, you know what? We would do a whole lot better. And I think Brother Mason mentioned this and I respect what he said, but I'm trying to turn our minds a little bit. We do need money. That's important. Amen. It would be great if we had more people. That'd be great. It'd be we could see saying things around the church if we had this or that. That would be even really good. But the fact of the matter is this. It all belongs down to here concerning what we lack don't have so and so forth you sir, you ma'am, you young person, you elder, you middle aged, we all are the equipment, how in the world do you think a person goes into the corner spot of the world and starts a church with literally nothing and years later they have carpet and a sound system and they have pews and they're singing and rejoicing, how does that happen it all starts with the people the people are the equipment, the people where the money comes from the people's where you are the equipment someone say amen the Bible says in Genesis 11 and verse number 5 that the Lord everybody say the Lord the Lord came down the Lord came down left, left his home in glory he came down in Genesis 11 and verse 5 to see the city and the tower look now which the children of men Builded. This was interesting enough to the Lord, curious enough for him that he came down and to see what was built. And he more plainly says, which the children of men builded. He visited, the Bible says, this land of Shinar, more specifically. Babel or Babylon. He came down to behold this great tower of Babylon that had been erected up unto the heavens. And he came down because he wanted to see what the people, everybody say the people. He wanted to see what the people had done. It was built, no doubt. We know from Genesis 11 that the tower of Babel was built with the wrong motive. They wanted to make themselves a name. They wanted to make themselves a place so that they would not be scattered upon all the earth. It was built, we know, according to Genesis 11, that the tower of Babel was built with inferior. Everybody say inferior. It was built with inferior materials. The Bible says they used brick and slime in order to make the Tower of Babel. Instead of stone and mortar, they had inferior materials. I even don't know what type of equipment they had in order to make their brick. I don't know what type of equipment they had in order to hoist those bricks up another level to stack them up and make a tower unto heaven. No doubt they were archaic. No doubt they were crude, I'm sure. But nevertheless, whenever God said he came down to look what was going on, he came down to see what the people 
people had done with what they had. And the Bible states, he says, nothing will be restrained from them which they've imagined to do. He didn't say it was because they had the best equipment in the world or the best materials in the world, but he said it's because the people had a mindset to build and a mindset to do. They had the greatest equipment that they had need of. They had themselves. And if you don't believe that's true, because they were doing this in a very wrong way, he wanted to stop this. And the Bible says whenever he went to stop what was going on, he's a little bit impressed with what the people are doing. And in order to frustrate what was going on, the Bible does not say, he doesn't say that he tampered with the brick. He didn't tamper with the slime. He didn't tamper with any other equipment or materials that they may have. The Bible says he came down and he tampered with the people. Because at the base level at all, they were. They were the equipment. And he confused their tongue so they couldn't communicate with one another. Amen. Because he understood the key factor in this endeavor wasn't their material, wasn't these excessive equipment that they had. It was the people. It was the people. It was the people. As we all time said, if they could do that for the wrong motive with inferior materials, how much more can the church of the living God as a people become the equipment to do and to execute the will and the purpose of God. Amen. You know what I believe, Brother Zach McGee? God knew that if he had done something with the brick and the slime, their materials, you know what I believe God knew? That if he did something to those things, the people would have just figured out some other way to do what they were doing. You say money's an issue? That's okay. We're the equipment. You know what we got to do? Just figure out another way to accomplish what we would have accomplished. Oh, nobody helping me right now. All we got to do is figure out we are the equipment. Amen. He said there's enough driving force in these people and enough driving force in this project that it doesn't matter what they have or don't have. They're going to see to it. It's going to get done because the people are the equipment. Someone say, I'm the equipment. You are. So Jesus was taking the same idea to task in Mark 6 when he sends these disciples forth these 12 disciples forth in mark 6 the bible says he sends them forth in pairs he sends them forth with his power and he commanded them this is quite quite just goes against us we're thinking what in the world was he thinking and he commanded them don't take anything Take nothing for your journey. Take no script. That was a bag that, that was common to some of the men. Take no script. Take no bread. Take no money. He even told them don't take two coats. It was typical for a person to take two coats, to have one to cover up with at, at the night when it was cool. But he said it's not necessary. Don't take two coats. He says you don't need to take anything. Don't take nothing for your journey. He said all that you need is save a, a staff and your sandals because you're going to be doing a lot of walking and so you need your staff there's nothing special about the staff per se 
day in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the staff was nothing more but a walking stick. It was just, if you will, an extension of the person. It was just an extension of the person. And they would have sandals on their feet as they would walk upon the road. That, that staff, that walking stick. Uh, we read in the Old Testament, Moses had one. And Jacob had one. And Judah had one. Aaron had one. Most of the heads of the tribes of Israel all had a staff. They all had a walking stick, if you will. Nothing very important, really, as I said, about them. They're just the extensions uh, of the people to whom they belong to. But whenever I read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation I start to pick up on something that's illustrated all throughout God's word that God oftentimes set the success of his purpose amen to the earth upon the shoulders of people people if not at least extensions of who those people were look at it now look at it now we see some extraordinary things in God's word that is seemingly accomplished by various pieces of equipment that were extensions of the people to whom they belonged. We read and you consider the rod of Moses there whenever they parted the Red Seas. There when the rock was smoked and water came out. There, if you will, seemingly that every plague that came down. We, we see the signs and the miracles and the wonders that were very much so instrumental because of the rod of Moses. We considered the mantle of Elijah, which later became the mantle of Elisha. That in order to get across the Jordan, it was the slapping of the mantle against those waters. And they would part hither and they would part thither. We consider a tent peg and a hammer. That belonged to Jael. That whenever Sisera was in her tent, she snuck in there with those tools that were extension of her life. Who she was, the woman that pitched the tent for her family, it was her responsibility. And she snuck in there and pegged that guy's temple to the ground with a tent peg and a hammer. Essential to Jael, it sees. But in essence tonight, folks, we also see Gideon. The sword of Gideon, the Bible speaks of. We look at the ox goat of Shamgar. He defended where he was. He took out 600 Philistines with an ox goad which was a regular instrument it was an extension of who he was in his hand but if we don't watch ourselves we can get caught up in the idea that we cannot do similar things unless we've got a rod or unless we got a mantle or unless we got a tent peg and a hammer but please understand, all of those tools, whatever they may be, were nothing more but extensions of the people. Yes. They belong to somebody. The rod belonged to Moses. The man belonged to Elisha and Elijah. The sword belonged to Gideon. The tent peg and the hammer belonged to Jael. You understand what I'm saying? Someone say Amen. So in essence, the tool was just an extension of the person. And for the disciples, the staff that they were taking right now was nothing more but a, a, a tool that was an extension of the person. Now one might argue that tent peg and that hammer was important to J.L. in order to fasten Sisera's head against the tent floor. That was necessary in order for that to happen. But can we back up and really think, was not J.L. just as necessary? Right, right. That is 
What good would have been a tent peg and a hammer in the same tent as Sisera without a JL? So what we're saying, if we just had better equipment, honey, maybe what we need is a JL. Maybe what we need is a Gideon. Maybe what we need is an Elisha. An Elijah. Maybe what we need. You are the equipment. She was the equipment. There are times, listen, there are times, three times actually in John 21. When you read John 21. Jesus meeting with his disciples it seems like one of those final times in John 21 they all Peter got the idea to go fishing there were a few of the other disciples that decided the same they came came in off the boat with a draw of fishes Jesus was already there with some hot coves having some fish up on the coves Peter got there first because he jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore whenever he gets there Jesus asked Peter questions in so many words three times and he asked him to do this he commanded them to do this after he asked him do you love me Peter and all that he would tell Peter feed my lambs or feed my sheep three times he did that to Peter feed he's talking to Peter feed my sheep now Jesus isn't he wasn't a literal shepherd he was a carpenter but he acted as a shepherd to his people the Bible calls him the good shepherd he said that my sheep know my voice and a stranger where they will not follow he said that he was the door to the sheepfold, those that was placed under his care, which of course was all the world, but that inner setting of 12 people. And so whenever he looks at Peter and he tells Peter to feed his sheep, he's basically telling people, Peter, take care of my people. Take care of my people. And so whenever Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, look, we don't see this in John 21. We don't see then, Peter, feed my sheep. Now here's the grain. Here's the resources. Here's the equipment. Huh? No. We don't see him giving this and that and use this, Peter. This will be very instrumental for doing what I'm asking you to do. No. He just simply spoke to Peter as though the act and the supply were in him. (laughs) He said, take care of my people. Quite conversely, this is interesting to me too. He didn't say to Peter, build a great church. He said, take care of my people. But Peter, you do this. It's it's the same venue with God. Whenever God told Moses, God never asked Moses to divide the Red Sea. I see that in scripture. Moses divided. That's not what he asked Moses. He said, Moses, you, you stretch out your arm over the sea and you raise up the rod. And when he did, the sea rose back on the left. And it rose back on the right. See, I think sometimes we get an idea that our job description entails a whole lot more than what it is. But if we'd understand that when God tells us to do something, he believes we had the ability to do it. He's not looking in for plan B or some accompaniment. He believes that invested in you is the ability. He believes you're the equipment. He believes you're the equipment. And if you'll be who you are.
for the kingdom. God says, I'll be who I am on the opposite side of the seesaw. Moses, if you can use your hand and you can raise that rod, which is an extension of you, I'll do the rolling back on the right and the rolling back on the... But you've got to come to terms, Moses. You are the equipment. Someone say amen. Because all day long we could list things that could be more beneficial for feeding sheep and for caring for the people. But the Lord saw all of this in Peter. There's someone say, I'm the equipment. I'm going to tell you why. The disciples and those that prior to, why we are the equipment. You ready? What qualifies you for being the equipment? You ready? Because we've been with him. You are the equipment because you've been with him. What happened in Mark chapter number 6, them going out in pairs, taking nothing, was anticipated back in Mark chapter number 3. I've read this verse several times, even in the history of this church. If there's a verse, I wish you'd take this one and just kind of hold on to it. Amen. For yourself here at the church. It's Mark 3 and verse 14. Whenever Christ ordained and called the 12 disciples, the Bible says in verse 14, and he ordained 12 that they should be, everybody say with, with him. And that he might send, see there's the anticipation for what's happening in Mark 6. And that he might send them forth to preach, verse 15, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. He was anticipating sending them out. He was anticipating that they would preach. He was anticipating that sicknesses would be healed by them, through them. He was anticipating that devils would scatter by them, through them. But first, he ordained them to be with, with him. Because being with him prepared them for everything else that he wanted to send them forth to do. I'm telling you, bishops preached it the entirety of life. I've come as a second voice in my ministry to preach the saying. It's not all the bells, whistles, knobs, and levers that we need. Primarily what we need to be able to be the equipment for our community and our world is first and foremost be with Him. And out of that intimacy with Him, you'll be able to leave that encounter and you'll be able to preach. You'll be able to see signs and miracles and wonders and the unfolding of his will if you spend time sometimes we spend too much time looking for what we believe is the right equipment but the right equipment is being with him that's Acts 4 and three, Peter and John on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. Let's break it down like this. They were going to be with him. And in the process of going to be with him, they seen a need with them. The lame man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. Look at it now. What's their words as he fastens eyes upon them expecting to receive something? They say, 
Silver and gold have I none. What are they saying? We're kind of deficient on the equipment side. We don't have the resources. But such as we have. What do you got, Peter and John? All we got is what we've gotten from being with him. Such as we have, give I to thee in the name of Christ Jesus. Rise up and walk, and his ankle bones and his legs receive strength. And he started to walk and leap and praise God. Now watch it. They're convicted of this great thing that's happened. They're brought before the rulers. When the rulers bring them in and see this grand deed that was done to the man that everyone knew was lame from his birth, they didn't say, did you see the equipment that those boys used? Wow, didn't they have some resources? No. You know the only thing that baffled the minds of them? They said when they seen that they spoke with boldness, they said they only understood one thing, that these guys had been with him. Now, there's some things you can lay a finger on and say they did that because they, they got good resources or they got the money. or they No, 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 no. He says, when it comes to this, boys, you can't lay it on anything that they had equipment-wise except themselves and the time they had spent with the Master. Honey, it's been spoken before. I speak it again. If revival's ever going to come in 1121 Street, it's not going to be someone's going to say, well, it's because of that equipment or that or that. It's going to be because, you know what? That's a church that got along with God. That's a church that closed themselves in a closet with God and he sent them forth from that place as the equipment because they have been with him consider the Old Testament I didn't start my clock did you start it you did bless your heart and everybody else's the Old Testament Joseph sold Potiphar's house light on pit in prison rather comes to second of command because Pharaoh's had a couple of dreams the butler has remembered him has brought him two years had forgotten him but brought him because he had interpreted the baker and the butler's dream in prison Joseph comes to Pharaoh tells him the interpretation of the dreams and after he tells him the interpretation of the dreams he tells Pharaoh what Pharaoh needs to find and what Pharaoh needs to do and what needs to be done. He says, Pharaoh, he says, you need to find someone that is discreet. You need to find somebody that is wise. And this is what needs to be done in order to survive the seven years of famine that's going to come after the seven years of plenty. He's telling him, Pharaoh, a foreign, a foreign uh, 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 commander, a foreign king, what he needs to do. And what does Pharaoh say? What does Pharaoh say? You look at it in Genesis 41 and verse 38. Pharaoh says, after he's heard everything that Joseph has said, he says, can we find such a one as this is, speaking of Joseph, a man in whom the Spirit of God is. This guy has just been cleaned up and given a change of garment from prison to be able to be in the palace. He don't have any equipment. He don't have any resources. 
But as he's standing before a foreign king, the king picks up on. He don't have any equipment. He don't have any resources. But he has the spirit of God. And I believe that's discreet and wise enough to use you for the saving of my nation because you've been with him. Folks, that's what it boils down to. You just gotta you gotta be with him and you gotta pick up on his desire. You gotta pick up on what his mandate is. If whenever I was just a young boy, back however many years ago now it was, 2001, when my wife started to and I started to go out and evangelize, if I thought that in order to evangelize you had to have a dually truck and you had to have a trailer in order to even get going down the road and you had to have three months of bookings in order to get it accomplished, I would still be sitting right where I had always sat. But that's not the thing. I went without the equipment. I didn't have the truck. I didn't have a trailer. I just had a four-door car. Amen. But constantly we were putting the rod back up in the back because all of our clothes was pulling it up out of the ceiling. I only had two places to preach whenever I left and went on the evangelism field. But you know what I did have? I might not have had the resources. I might not have known the people. But I did have a closet. And I had been with God. And that six years later, I came off the road having to cancel appointments in order to do so why? I've been with God. I don't care what your resources are. I don't care if you have the equipment or not. You are the equipment. You are. Because you've been with Him. You come too late to tell me. Just speaking true. It's about being with him. Listen, when we when we came and came a part of the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, nobody knew the McGee name. I'm just being honest with you. There are a few people that knew us from from Tri-State Fellowship Camp, but over nobody knew us. I'm going out here trying to preach for people who don't know McGee was even in existence. It goes over and over. It's all about you or the equipment. We have. It's not just my story, it's other people's. You look at Jeremy Lang. He's been in church less than I have. He's pastor now, a very good church. He's a regional director over foreign mission. He's been a foreign missionary. He's been an evangelist. How's all that happen? Oh, he had the right equipment. He just, you know, it was a silver spoon in his mouth. No, 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 no. He was the equipment. He was the equipment. He got along with God and said, God, what do you want? He said, I want you to preach. I want you to teach. I want devils to be cast out. Before it goes, though, you've got to spend some time with me. But after you spend your time with me, get out there. Get out there. Go, go, go. And every time you think you lack something, just remember you've been with me. Just remember where this all started. Honey, I'll tell you where it all started. It started with 15 people in a little old church that you couldn't hardly even run around the aisles because the pews touched him. I'm telling you, that's where it started. It started with that little bass amp and stuff sitting right there. In front of the, the, the picture was up just the other night. That bass amp up there had a horrible sound system. Amen, to say the least. We didn't have all the resources. We didn't have all the people. But I'll tell you what we did have. We had a group of people that says, just shut me in with God in that secret place. And then three years later, you stand, you stand where you are today not because we always had it all but because God said you are the people are the equipment because they've been with him 
So Pharaoh, this foreign king, tells Joseph, who else should we pick? This man has the Spirit of God in him. So we might be able to find someone, quote-unquote, better qualified, with better resources. He said, but I've learned something. I've seen him when he was in prison. There's been favor. I've seen him when he was in Potiphar's house. Everything flourished. And it wasn't because of what the man had. It's because of who he, had, who he was and who he had been with. <laughs> you know what Pharaoh was asking? Joseph, he's asking Joseph to take care of my people. Feed my sheep, so to speak. And whenever Jacob is on his deathbed and he speaks the blessing upon Joseph's life, the Bible says in Genesis 49, 22, when he speaks of Joseph, this man that had the spirit of God in him, that Pharaoh chose, even among all the other people in his own kingdom, the Bible says Jacob said unto his son Joseph, he said, Joseph, whose branches run over the wall. You know what that, you know what that was depicting? You know what that was indicating for Joseph? Joseph, the extent of your fruitfulness a man in whom the spirit of God was the extent of your fruitfulness is going to pervade and go beyond what you're encompassed in someone hear me right now because what he's speaking to him he's speaking to him it's a picture of a vine or it's a picture of a tree whose growth is so healthy and so bountiful that its branches extend beyond the wall they extend beyond the fence amen they extend beyond the field where they're located because they're so healthy and fruitful and all Joseph has for all that is the spirit of God it wasn't miracle grow it was God grow. So you are the equipment because you've been with Him. And so with that, I say this tonight. You are the equipment because you've been prepared for this. Esther is known as the Jewish woman that is stationed in the right place at the right time with some favor to deliver her people. Her uncle perhaps posed the ever popular question that's been preached on for ages. Esther, who knows that thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Her position of being queen Staged her, of course, with a certain amount of influence and sway for a positive direction for the lives of her people when they were threatened with death. But listen to me. Before she was ever placed as queen where she was, she was prepared for the placement. Someone say amen. The Bible says it. We can read it. And please go there. I didn't have it, I don't think, in your scripture setting. Esther 2.12. Look at it now. Now when every maid's turn was come to go to the king of Hazarus, there's a, there's a Harlem up there. There's a group of ladies that's going to prance before the king. He's going to choose one. 
There's, there's, every maid is having her turn. They're coming in before King Ahasuerus after that she had been 12 months. Look, she didn't go there until she had been 12 months according to the manner of the women. For so were the days of their purification accomplished. To it, in that 12 months or that year, six months with oil of myrrh was her preparation. And six months with sweet odors was her preparation. In other words, she went through a whole year purifying her flesh she went through a whole year of purifying her flesh before she stood before King Ahasuerus she spent six months applying the oil she spent six months applying the oil and then turned around and spent six months applying the sweet odors and after she had done that year's time, she goes in before the king. I believe Mordecai had it right. Who knows, Esther, if thou, someone say thou, if you, if you have come to the kingdom, <laughs> not an instrument per se, not a piece of equipment, but you, Esther, you're the equipment. Who knows if you have come to the to the kingdom for such a time as this? What are you saying, Mordecai? Mordecai was telling that niece of his, "Honey, you're the equipment. Esther, it's you. You have been in time of preparation. Six months with oil on your flesh. Six months with sweet odors on your flesh. And during that year of getting your flesh purified, now you are set up for being sent and doing what God is needing for His people, the children of Israel, the Jews right now." Now, can I tell you that God always prepares his servant for the task God always has a room of preparation for he wants his people to someone say amen that before God gives a person a position before he gives them a duty before he gives them a ministry he thoroughly prepares them during their time spent with You can read it in your Bible in John chapter number 10, the same John 10 that Brother Malone read from tonight. Jesus was speaking of himself. Jesus was speaking of himself. And here's basically what it says there in John 10. That before Jesus even was sent, you know what the Bible says? He was sanctified. Before he went, before he went and did the job description of the Father in heaven, he was prepared. He was sanctified. He was set apart. So listen here. If Jesus had time, and he did. The three, the three and a half years of his ministry upon earth was that. The three and a half years of ministry. There were 30 years of preparation. He was sanctified for 30 years. And he was sent and did for the other three and a half. If you think that happened to Jesus, what makes you think it won't happen to you? But there'll be a time of preparation. But you know when that first step goes forward for the sending that you have every bit of confidence and boldness because you've been with Him and you received the proper preparation. So I'm telling you now, you are the equipment because you've been with Him and you've been prepared for this.
thirdly, you're the equipment. All this is taking place. You've been with him. You've been prepared for this. You ready? You've got what's needed. And here's my parenthetical phrase. You got what's needed. You just need to learn how to use it differently. Moses is on the verge of going back to Egypt because he's had his burning bush experience. Who should I say that sent me? Tell him that I am that I am sent thee. God asked Moses a question. What's in your hand? A rod. An extension of who he was. He had the rod before the burning bush experience. He had the rod before the burning bush experience. But God is saying, I'm sending you, Moses, to be the deliverer. What do you have in your hand? I have a rod. I've had this rod for several years, Lord. I've been on the backside of this desert for 40 years, tending sheep. This is who I am. This is just an extension of who I am. <laughs> he says, what's in your hand? He said, it's a rod. You know what God, I believe, was conveying to Moses? He wanted Moses to understand, Moses, you are the equipment. And whatever you've had prior to this moment is what you need for after this moment. you just got to learn how to use it differently. Huh? Moses, I want you to understand. You've got everything that you need. You've got everything that you've required. Everything that's required for this mission, you've already got. But you're going to have to learn how to use it in a way you've never used it before. Because I know, Moses, that you've never thrown it down and it become a serpent and you picked it up by the tail and it become a rod again but it's the same rod that you had before this experience I'm just sending you now but you're going to have to use it in a way that you never used it what I'm saying is inherently inside of some of us tonight are the gifts and the abilities that God needs to send you forth with to do the commission of God all he's asking us is to dig a little deep and figure out the way in which he wants us to use what is already in our hands what's already a part of our DNA and our personality he wants yeah. you've already got it you've already got it Peter on the day of Pentecost the impetuous Peter with his quick wit and his knee jerk reactions that type of character he had listen rather than using all of that like he formerly had he funnels it now quote unquote to feed the sheep to take care of the people it was the same tool that he had before Pentecost that he had after Pentecost. See, before Pentecost, he would use that quality to defend Jesus. You're not going to die. That's not going to happen. Scribes are not going to take that knee-jerk reaction. He would use it to defend himself as he's warming his hands at a foreign fire when he said, uh, I don't know him, that knee-jerk reaction. Huh? That knee-jerk reaction. He'd use it sometimes arrogantly to put him forth whenever Jesus is girding himself with a towel to wash his feet. You're not going to wash my feet. 
See, there's that tool. There's that character trait of Peter being very knee-jerk reaction, using it before Pentecost. But at Pentecost, when he was sent, hallelujah, in this moment, who Peter was, what Peter was, the giftings that Peter had before Pentecost, now he's using it just a little different, that whenever they're wanting to know about Christ and there's a message to be brought, Peter stands up with his knee-jerk reaction and tells them about the death and the burial and the resurrection and what they need to be saved. How did he do it? He had it before Pentecost he just used it differently at Pentecost he had what he needed here's the miracle here's the miracle those things that you have right now that you, you may not even be totally aware of those things that you have right now that God wants to use in your sending mode whenever your mission aligns with his purpose he'll cause that thing to blossom There came a time in Israel that there's some people that are doing a little bicker to complaining about Moses where he was and Aaron being the high priest. Are you listening to me? And here was what was the prescription. Everybody bring their staff. Of the 12 tribes, bring your staff. This was an extension of the person. The staff of Levi was the staff of Aaron. The staff, this was an extension of them. And what they do? Look at it. They took all the rods. And they put it in his presence. <laughs> the ark of God. And the Bible says that in the morning, <laughs> in the morning, Aaron's rod started to bud with some almond flowers and leaves upon it. All the rods were in his presence. But Aaron's budded to confirm that he was the man for the job. What, what happened? His mission had aligned with God's purpose. And God brought fruitfulness out of that thing that he had had since he was old enough to carry it. But going to be employed and used for a different purpose as being priest. You got it. You got it. You are the equipment. You've been with him. You've been prepared for this. You got what's needed. You just need to learn to use it differently. And whenever you get in alignment with what God's purpose is and his purpose and your mission becomes the same, he'll cause that thing to explode. Everybody doing okay? Man, I've been preaching for a while. Wow. Everybody ready for some overtime? crowd's going crazy. I don't hear it, but I, I, I'm, I'm convinced. You're the equipment. You need to realize it. You need to realize it. Luke 22, verse 35. And he said unto them, this is getting close. This is getting close to crucifix day, time. Look, he's rehearsing something. He said to them, what, when I sent you without purse. He's referring back. When I sent you without purse and script and shoes. Notice the question. Lacked ye anything? What was their answer? <sighs> Nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. Likewise his scrip. And he hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Jesus 
had to ensure before he told them now they could take these extra things, he had to ensure that they realized to begin with it didn't need all of that. Before he gave them the resources, he's doing a little case study here. When I sent you with nothing, did you lack? So he's, he's, he's making that, that sure in their spirit. If I can say it like this, he's making it sure in their spirit that it doesn't take all this other stuff. All it takes is being with him, getting prepared in that place, and using what they've always had, but maybe differently. But now he says, when you say you didn't lack anything, when you didn't have all that stuff, then you're for sure not going to lack anything now just with a few additional items. answer was no we don't lack anything so now he says to take them take take those extra things yeah they're nice they're very nice extra money extra people extra programs all that's very nice but again underline the fact they're not necessary they're not necessary all that is needed is a person that's been purified sanctified by being with the Lord for a period of time and then commissioned by him to be so the moment there in the garden before crucifix day was for them to realize, again, you are the equipment. Is everybody doing okay, man? I'm, I feel, you know, I'm, I only preach once this week, so you're getting it all. Just a few verses later in Mark 6, look at it. After they went forth and they preached, they healed the sick, they cast out demons, all this just happened. The Bible says there's a multitude that gathered together. They'd went apart into like a desert place to try to rest, but the multitude found them there. They went out to them. The multitude are gathering together. They've been there for a long time. The disciples are saying, Jesus, why don't you send the multitude back into the city so they can get some food and eat? And this was Jesus' wording to his disciples when they said that. He said, you give them. Boy, he's really trying to teach lessons here in me. I just sent you forth with nothing. And you came back and said everything that y'all did. And now we're in a position that people need fed and we don't have much bread or the money to buy it. You feed them. You give them to eat. Oh, shall we buy 200 penny worth of bread? No, no, no. We, we need money. They're saying, no, no. He says, you lack nothing. You give them to eat. Their supply was low. They had, they had just a couple of fishes. They had five loaves. It seems like they lacked the equipment that they needed. But what they had to realize again is that they were the actual equipment. And so what does the Lord do? He takes what they already got. He blesses it and break it. And it's important now. He gives to the disciples. And they give it to the people. The supply chain was with the Lord to the disciples and to the people. If the Lord wanted to, he could have taken it from his hands and gave it straight to the people. But he didn't. He put the disciples in the middle of it. Why? He's underscoring again, you are the you, you got to realize this, boys. I've already sent you out and you did great things, but here we are again. i got to teach you again. You are the equipment. I'm however many years in that you've been a part of the church and the, and the kingdom of the living God. I'm trying to reiterate to you again. You are the equipment. You've got to realize that. You've got to own that. You've got to come to terms with that. Man, I, I probably need to cut this short. If you want me to go on, raise your hand. 
If, you, if you're going to go home, then I'll cut it short. You got to realize it. And this is the last one. This is really the last, the last crux of it all. You are the equipment, right? You've been with him. You've been prepared for this. You have what you need. You just need to use it differently. You need to realize your equipment. And lastly, you need to go. You need to go. Jesus, in Mark 6, had just been rejected by his hometown. Jesus has. He's just been rejected by his hometown. They were amazed about who he was and what he had become and what he was doing. But at the same time, they were very doubtful because they knew him to be the carpenter's son. Huh? They knew him to be the carpenter's son. And so the Bible says then that Jesus could not do any, many mighty works there in his hometown. But he did lay his hands on a few sick people and they got healed. And he did what he could. See, Jesus is setting the stage for his disciples. He's about ready to sin. Because he's going to send them forth. And he wants them to know. Whatever place you go into, stay. But if they don't receive what you got. He says, shake the dust off your feet. And move on. And move on. Jesus was trying to prepare them that they were going to face rejection too. But nevertheless, they needed to go and do what they could do. And if it wasn't received, move on. With as much grace, mercy, and understanding that you can understand me tonight, listen here. Stop pouring your lives into people that are rejecting you. And rejecting the truth. And rejecting this message. Do as Christ ordained his disciples. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be insensitive. But if they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet and find somebody else. Find. Because I think you're, you're, you're just having a hard time facing rejection. You're having a hard time facing rejection. Oh, no, I'm going to win them over. No, they're going to understand this. No, you know what? Some people are just not because they're choosing not to. They don't want to because the moment they choose and they receive it, that demands then a change. That demands some type of different avenue. So they're just rejecting it. If they're doing that, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Do what you can and move on. Jesus didn't stay at Nazareth and say, I'm going to heal these folks. How many didn't? He left there. He did what he could. Some got healed. Some went that way, but then he went on. There were not mighty works there where there was the rejection, but there was where he had reception. You've got to find the paths of reception. You, you. The commission on you is to go. The commission on you is not the success of the going. Is someone hear me right now? You are not responsible for the outcome. You're responsible for the going. Moses was not responsible for the Red Sea splitting. He was responsible for putting his arm out and lifting his rod. That's the only thing that I get great consolation of in my own personal life sometimes. That my responsibility is go. 
My responsibility is to do. My responsibility is function. I don't have a direct result or a direct connection on the outcome. I plant one waters and God gives the increase. Amen. And so that's not where it is. But we got to find the venues where rejection is it, and find the venues where there's exception in order for our going maybe to be a little bit more productive. Whenever is everybody doing? I know I preach long. I'm going to preach long. Amen. And we got a short time. God's coming soon. Amen. Whenever the shepherd came back in Amos and what he had in his hand was a piece of an ear or a couple of legs and he brings them back that wasn't totally about just salvaging something you hear me here here's a piece of an ear of the lamb or here's a that wasn't about just totally salvaging a part of the sheep that were in the fold because let's get real there is no literal way that a lamb can be regenerated from an ear There's no, it's creation by God, wasn't that? If he lost everything and had a couple legs left, he would grow back his torso and his neck and his head from it. No. So this isn't about just salvaging the sheep. But bringing those things back was a security for the one that was over the sheep. Meaning that they weren't responsible for what was lost. Because they went. What it was was a testimony was, I win. You go, you be rejected. You come back, check the dust off. What's that? A testimony that I was there. But you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. I got to hurry up. Amen. Whenever Jesus appointed the 12, back in Mark 3, he appointed the 12 right after a scene where all of Israel was shown flocking to Jesus. They were flocking to the Lord by the multitudes. And after that, he appointed the 12. In Mark chapter number 6, when he sends the 12, it's in the scene where Jesus has been rejected. When he appointed them, everybody was flocking to the Lord. When he sends them, everybody is seemingly rejecting the Lord. And what that tells me is this, is whether it's during a time when Jesus is popular or not popular or truth is popular or not popular, we still must go. A few weeks ago, I was, I was listening to Bishop Carpenter. I was listening to our general superintendent preach a few weeks ago. And he was preaching in this church. And I can't remember exactly the title of a sermon, what he was preaching. But I do remember what he said in this moment. A few weeks ago, he told his church about a few apostolic churches in, in, our, in, in our contingency. A few apostolic churches that are telling their churches that only hand clapping and hand raising was permissible on Sunday mornings. And nothing else because they had guests. See, that's when quote-unquote seeker-friendliness goes awry. You know what he told then his congregation of 600 plus? You know then what he told his congregation of 600 plus? Are you hearing me? He said we didn't get to where we are by refraining from anything else on Sunday mornings. And I'm telling you right here where we are stationed in Mount Carmel, we will not get to where we need to be by quieting down or putting that over in the corner, trying to, you know, let's pacify that and let's, let's dress it up and make it more intelligent. No, 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 honey, we got here in the fire and we're going out by the fire. I'm not going to settle for smoke any day. Honey, it's by the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. 
Because here's the fact of the matter. Some people's just going to reject you. You will never be able to make it platable enough for them. Some people are just going to reject you. You hear this pastor tonight. You hear this pastor tonight. You hear this pastor tonight. You know what you need to do quite conversely? You need to set yourself on fire. The old preacher said, used to say this. If you set yourself on fire, people will show up to watch. Listen to me. Here's the dichotomy. Here, here's, a, here's the contrasting events here of that situation. Whenever you set yourself on fire, whenever you do that sort of thing, listen to me. You listening? Even in a natural fire, Brother Fred. Some people will show up to watch it. But it's scary. Are you hearing me? It's scary. But at the same time, it's intriguing. They won't come here because they're afraid. Let me tell you, that's all right. Because there's a dichotomy to all that. They're not only afraid the reason why they showed up. They might be afraid, but they're also intrigued about what's going on. So we're not going to dilute this. We're not going to water it down. Because somewhere along the line, their intrigue, their mystery might overpower their fear. Go, 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 go. You've been with him. You're prepared for this. Realize it. Go. Stand with me. So the scripture relates, the disciples didn't understand that they could be rejected because Jesus tells them right as they ascend and out. He tells them. Tells them how to handle it. They have knowledge that they could be rejected. And the Bible says, look at, look at verse 12 and 13 of Mark 6. They went. They preached. They cast out devils. They healed those with sickness. When they came to the Lord in verse 30, they told him all things what they had done. Huh? And what they had taught. You know what happened? Something happened. Where the equipment? Where were the equipment? I'm telling this church tonight, you are the equipment. Don't try to look around and just find the proper vice in order to get the job done. You are the vice. We're looking for a tool to place in our hand, but we got to realize we're a tool placed in his hand. You are. You're the equipment. But before you go ye, you got to tarry with. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But tarry ye into Jerusalem until you be endued with power. What's he saying? Be with me before you go. But if you'll get with him, you'll be prepared for the task. And you got what's necessary. You had it before you ever came to this juncture in the road. You got it. You just got to use that differently than what you've been, a little different than what you used to. Peter, when you've been a knee-jerk reaction to be a little arrogant brat, you got you to just twist that a little bit and use it in the positive nature for the kingdom of God. And we got to come back to terms every once in a while. Say, well, how, how did you get to where you were? Did you, was it because of the money you had, the resources you had? No, 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 no. No, none of that. Did you lack anything? No. Bishop, did you lack anything? I mean, 20-some years ago, did you lack anything? Huh? Not a thing. Not a thing. What's that? That's realizing. It's not about what I have. It's about me as an individual who I've been with. Got to realize it. 
and I got to go. The commission for the church tonight is to go. If we can close our eyes in this building. I know it's late. I apologize. Only in a certain mode do I apologize. I just apologize. It took me an hour and ten minutes to get this out. That's only I apologize. It, it took an hour and ten minutes to get it out. I wish I could have got it all out in 45 minutes. But it didn't happen. So I just apologize. It took an hour and ten minutes to get it out. I'm not apologizing for the content. Because I feel in the Holy Ghost that we need to realize that we are the equipment. You don't need the tools. You don't necessarily need, need the resources. Having them is not making them all of this impossible. You just got to figure out another venue. You got to figure out another way. You're the equipment. You're the equipment. Close your eyes in this place, please. Close your eyes in this place, please. Close your eyes. Somebody, somebody. See, people are at different stages in all of this tonight. See, people are at different stages in all this tonight. There's some that need to spend some more time with Him. There's some that need to do some more purifying, per se, of the flesh. There's some that need to realize the tools that they had before they ever come to God are the same tools He's going to use after you came to God then in order to grow His church. Some need to realize that. And some just need to realize, I'm the equipment. I'm it. And so many times we're trying to we're look outside of ourselves. whenever God says, it is you yourself. It is you yourself. You've got to realize it. And then some have all these other things in a line. And all they need to do is go. You're going to face rejection. But do what you can and then move on. Some people are hung up right there. I'm telling you. Because by and large, humanity doesn't like rejection. By and large, we don't like rejection. Some people, according to what your personality is, you're very strong about not accepting that. But you've got to just move on. Because while there may be the rejection there that you're constantly having conversation, you're explaining, you're doing rejection, rejection. Why there's that? There could be another heart over here with a hunger. That all they need is just a little gasoline to hit their spark. And kapow! They're ready to go on with the Lord. Become everything that God wants them to become. These altars are open tonight. And I really wish we would find a place to pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.